Welcome to Relationships with Rob. I am your host, an award-winning author, serial entrepreneur, and your virtual relationship coach. Each week, we are bringing you people who inspire me to live my best life, and we are going to take the plunge and look for clues so that we can have successful relationships too. I truly believe relationships mean the most to us, and we all have different reasons why. So let's get to the bottom of it. And if you're going through something right now, this show will help give you the tools necessary to Break through your own paradigms, leave with your best foot forward, and to never, ever give up hope. Let's get it. What is up, y'all? Welcome back to the show. We are back at it with the interviews this week, and I hope you all had a fantastic and productive weekend. I didn't. I had a blast catching up with all my friends, though, this week, and I'm super pumped now to get the show going for you all. So today's show is content-packed, lots of insight, lots of perspective. So strap up, get ready, we got a good one for you. If this is your first time tuning in, however, I warmly welcome you. We do shows every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, two interviews and a solo. So I'd appreciate it if you could sub up. One, you get automatic updates, but it also helps me get this information out to the masses because if we all had deeper, more meaningful relationships, we would be more fulfilled in life, leading to more success and happiness and wealth and all that other fun stuff including living longer all right today's guest after rocking the single status like a diamond ring for nearly 10 years Randy kang knows the consequences of swiping right what it feels like to be ghosted and has had her fair share of romantic rendezvous and global escapades with her fair share of heartbreaks Randy offers an honest perspective and transformative approach towards dating and relationships by imparting advice insight and wisdom from personal experience her purpose is to empower both men and women to become the best versions of themselves while manifesting the perfect partner that is in alignment with their spiritual growth when rani isn't coaching conversing with a random stranger traveling teaching yoga and serving sushi and sake she can be found nurturing the relationship with her honey We got into all of that and more. We talked about her charity bike ride across Cambodia that gave her the clarity for the path that she is on now and the epiphany she had while bike riding through Angkor Wat, why her first relationship didn't work and the reason she stayed single for 10 years to her brand new engagement with her fiance and we get super vulnerable as she shares her candid journey to that engagement and what it looks like to be with a single dad and the whole night. She sprinkles in a lot of great insight as to how she handles the situation, so you're going to want to tune into the entire thing. And so without further ado, here's Randy Kang. All right, welcome back to another episode of Relationships with Rob. I have an interesting guest here. I, I don't know much about her. I feel so bad, but my previous guest, I always ask them, you know, who would you recommend come on the show? And she came in high regard. So Randy Kang, thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, she, so you're your coach, you do all these things. But for the people who don't know who you are, like me, uh, give us a little breakdown of who you are. Like, where did this all begin? How did it all start? Dial the clock back, however far you want. Just give us a little bit about who you are. Okay, well, where I will start is when I was 24 years old and I was struggling with a breakup with this guy that I thought was the one. Like, I was so in love with him. Um, And I really thought that he was the one, but we were in an on and off relationship for two years. And I was so out of my mind. I thought I'd lost it. And I was desperate in either committing to him 
or completely forgetting about him. Like I was just right there. And one of my girlfriends said, Hey, Randy, before you choose, you should definitely take this seminar. And I ended up registering myself for the seminar because I saw something that was possible for myself. And the moment I registered for the seminar, it was like a whole new world opened up for me. And my mind and my life was no longer consumed by this guy. It was now like, whoa, I'm 24 years old and I have a whole world ahead of me. And so I decided to commit myself to doing a charity bike ride across Cambodia. Mm. Well, I, I ended up signing myself up, not really thinking that I would go because this was like a month and a half before I signed up for it. So I was going to raise money for an organization to fight human trafficking. And then I had to plan um, to take myself to Cambodia to do this charity bike ride across Cambodia. But I was like this broke, like newly new. I just got out of college and I was sleeping on the floor of my studio apartment that I just wanted to rent out because I moved out of this apartment with my ex-boyfriend and I was struggling financially but I was so desperate to do it to get to get over it or to get past it whatever it was so I registered and once I registered it was now okay what's next I ended up registering for this charity bike ride and then I ended up raising like three thousand dollars to raise money I hosted two two charity events raised three thousand dollars for to fight human trafficking and then I was off to Cambodia on this charity for this charity bike ride, I was like on the plane and I didn't even realize that I didn't know how to use a phone card. I never exchanged money in my life. This is my first time traveling by myself. And I was like, Whoa, what the hell am I getting myself into? But I was like, I felt alive. Like I felt alive for the first time. I was like, Whoa, like this is scary. And I have a feeling I'm going to be okay. The moment I landed on to Cambodia, there was like the only face that I knew waiting for me on the other side of the walkway with this huge smile on his face. And I was like, I'm going to be okay. And then for the next 14 days, I like to, I rode a bike across Cambodia with 22 different strangers from Australia. And on that bike ride, I had a moment where I had this sense of um, the sense of peace and freedom that I had never experienced in my life. I just kind of lost track of time lost track of space and it was like oh is this what god is <laughs> it was like is this what people because i grew up buddhist and we never really talked about god in our in our household it was always just there it was like being was god and so it was kind of like oh is this what people talk about and and i was just that moment i knew there was something more to life than what i was going through which was this breakup and the drama and the drinking, the partying every single night, you know, yeah, we were like getting taken care of. We were like everywhere we went, I always had a posse of girlfriends and they were my, my tribe. They were like my identity. And, and then I came back and I was like, there's just more to life than this. And then since then, since I was 24, I was 30, I'm 34 now, so 10 years ago, I was on a different path, a different traje- trajectory and really discovering what it means to be human. And what it means to live and create a life that I love. It was always just been a journey. And, and that's essentially where it all began. I mean, like, there's so many, so many good things about that. I, we connect on so many levels in that sense. But um, what, how old were you when you were in that trip to Cambodia? And how long did that take? Like you, you, bike, you just bike ride it all across Cambodia? Like how long does that take? So it was um, when I was 24, so 10 years ago, and it was a 10-day trip. 
And it was like the first, it was this girl in Australia, Stephanie Lorenzo. She's amazing. She was my age too. And she decided that she wanted to bring people together to do a charity bike ride across Cambodia. And I was like, this is so cool. I want to do that. And so, but I was like, I can't do it. I can't raise $3,000 in a month and I don't even have money to register. And so I ended up just telling her, Hey, I want to help you guys raise money because at this point I always wanted to do something for charity. And so I was like, I want to help you raise money. I don't know if, you know, I know it's too late for me to join this ride, but I want to help you guys. And she was like, well, it's not too late to register. Just give me your bio and your picture and I'll put it on the website when you're ready to register. And so I was like, okay, like I'll give you my picture, my bio. When I register, you'll put it on. But like, it was like the day I remember was like the day of the day that Obama was inaugurated into presidency. And I was obsessed. I would go back to the website and look and, and then I looked and there was my picture and my bio. And I was like, what the heck? I got to do this now. And so I was like, had an anxiety attack and but then at that moment right after I went out and I had some air I was just like you know what do I have to lose and Mm -hmm. so I planned this it was like I didn't really train because I was raising money but I was just like you know what I'm just gonna go for it and I don't know how long it's gonna take or it was just a 10-day trip I don't know what it's gonna look like I know how to ride a bike (laughs) and you know like I ended up just going for it and I met these 22 people, amazing human beings from um, mainly from Australia and from Canada. And I was like, I'm just going to do this. I, I ended up getting like chafing, which I never really shared about. I had a lot of chafing. I ended up like dislocating one of my shoulders a little bit. Mm. It was just like, it was so challenging. We rode through like rice fields. We rode through the desert. We rode through like the nighttime through like Angkor Wat. And like, I got to see like where my family's from. And the stories that my mom, my mom told me about. And then I, we also got to visit the um, shelters that the money was going to. And so I, re- I got to meet Somali Mam, who wrote um, a book. I forget what it's called, but it's about her story about being trafficked. And um, I got to meet her and this amazing organization and the girls. And it was so moving. And it was worth the chafing. It was worth the dislocation. It was worth the sunburns and the scars. And, you know, it was all worth it. We, it it was a challenge and it was a struggle, but in, I guess in that moment too, like in that trip, I realized that I'm capable of so much more than I think mm. and we all are. Yeah, absolutely. That's an incredible journey that you went on and I'm glad you went on that. And so my question to you, I guess, is what sparked, what relationship sparked all that? I think you mentioned a few of them, but what was that one relationship that impacted you the most? It was the one that broke my heart. You know, the, the relationship that I thought he was the one. I was like 20 when I met him at a nightclub and when I was pretending to be 21. And I, he was like this, the epitome of what I thought would be Prince Charming right? He was, he can smooth talk. He had swag. He was like, he was mixed, you know, Korean and white. And he was, he just had this, he was like walked out of my, my idea of what the perfect guy was. Right. And then I realized throughout the process that it was a relationship that was there to help me transcend and transform from my ideas of what my life was supposed to look like. Right. It was like, when I wanted to break up with him, my mom would say to me, like, what, Randy, like, this is like, he's perfect for you. Or you can create a life together. He's, he wants to take care of you. He is so masculine. And, you know, and he was willing to take care of me, paid for everything. Right. And it was just like this idea of, oh, man, like, this is what I was, what I'm supposed to want. Right. This is what I'm, what every other girl wants. And I had this opportunity to be with this 
but then there was a sacrifice that I was making and that sacrifice was myself. And like, I would go against my integrity, my gut feelings, you know, I would go against like my own intuition and like, that doesn't seem right. But because he made it like, seem like I was the one that was going crazy. I was like, wait, what? Like, and then you had this internal conflict and it's not until we step outside of that relationship and out into something that's different that we can look back at that relationship and say, uh, that was not okay. <laughs> right? that, 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 was, that, that wasn't okay. And it was exactly how it was supposed to happen because without that, I wouldn't have been able to become who I am today. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's an incredible lesson that you mentioned there. I'm just curious. If you could sum that relationship, what was the biggest and most crucial lesson that you learned from that? I know it's heartbreaking, but I mean, there's always some, there's always some thing that we can learn from it. There's always something that we can take from that. And what, what was that one thing that you, that you took from that? The main thing that I took from that is that you can love someone and not be with them and not have them not be the person for you. Like at the end of the day, when it comes down to it, I love him. He's like, we, we we're friends now and we can message each other and talk to each other. And we know that there's love, you know, no matter what at this point and that we don't have to be together. Like that it just doesn't work for us to be together. Mm-hmm. You know, you can love someone and not be with them. And I can say there's a lot that I've learned in within our relationship and the do's and don'ts and all that stuff about relationships. But when it comes down to it, the thing that I've learned the most out of that and that I can take with me in my relationships now is that you can love someone and not have to be with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's an absolutely powerful lesson. I think a lot of people should understand. I mean, we talked a little bit about it off air about what I facilitate conversation with, um, you know, these divorced dads. And, you know, there's a lot of bitter, angry men out there. And they just, they can't be grateful for what they had with that person and just have the surface level love for the person as a human being, as a, as a friend, not an intimate partner or anything like you don't have to love the person as an intimate partner but they're just losing grip of that whole i guess humanity aspect of things where it's kind of like look we're on the same page we make mistakes we're not perfect we're all imperfect beings just trying to coexist on this crazy chaotic world right so right i love that it's it's beautiful if you if so you're in a relationship now yeah 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 are you Uh, engaged married we are engaged Yes, to be married in 2020. Yeah, it was, it's a big deal for me. I was single for 10 years after that relationship. I had a like one year break with a long distance relationship, but it had been t- 10 years when I broke up with my that relationship that we were talking about. Mm-hmm. And then now I'm in a relationship and a partnership. I would call it a partnership. And yes, we're like we decided that we wanted to get married. And it was a conversation that we had together around marriage. So yes. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's awesome. So your goals align. So congratulations. Uh, I wish you all the best in 2020. Like what planning weddings is no fun. I'm going to tell you that right now. But I mean, for the bride, it should be. Man, oh my gosh, no. Like- I actually, I'm like the um, least, I was actually the one that's like, hey, like I don't want to make wedding. I want it <laughs> yeah. to be like the funnest wedding. So what's your ideal wedding? Cheap wedding. I, my ideal wedding is like outside with lights and all like there's no guest limit i want it to be all of my friends and family it's going to be a potluck where people bring (laughs) contribute to this big table and it's a feast of food from all different walks of life like we have a really big community here and all over you know and family and so 
I want everyone to be there. There's music and dancing and there's a bouncy toy for my partner has a six year old. She's having fun. You know, it's just a community gathering that to celebrate our partnership. That's all I want. <laughs> mm-hmm. no, yeah. That's, yeah, no, that's awesome. That's awesome. Um, so you stayed single for, for, for 10 years. You must have had a lot of time to think about, you know, who you want to be in a relationship with and some of the things that you need to think about. So my next question to you is, you know, if there's a new couple listening in and they're looking at marriage and they're looking at all, all kinds of other things like kids and starting a family or whatever, or maybe starting a business together, uh, which are both very important big things, but let's just say there's a new couple and they're kind of navigating those waters. What are some unwritten rules for this new couple? Communication is, of course, it's like, I think it's like one of those things that's an obvious, but we really don't know what it means to communicate and how to be in communication with each other, right? Like for Brian and I, we are clear that we're spiritual partners before anything. Like we're here together to help each other grow spiritually. This is what our relationship is about. We're here committed to each other and each other's personal growth together. We get that not being with each other, being with each other is an opportunity for us to expand ourselves and to grow and to get, get past those triggers that we have and to um, transform our relationship of what it means to be in a relationship. We are, you know, we're clear that our relationship being together, that we are the demonstration of what it, what is possible to be in a relationship and it's a real partnership. It's like really like de- determining and de- distinguishing what relationship you are in. Like, are you in a partnership? Do you want a marriage? Cause you can be in a marriage and it might not be a spiritual partnership. Do you want to um, want to get married? You know, like, is that something that is even necessary or, and then, then when you decide to get married, is it a, a marriage that you're creating or is it a marriage that you're just adopting? You know, you're just taking it on because if somebody else says this is what it is. Like, I'm really all about intentionality and really like being intentional about what you're creating and really um, being clear in what your commitments are to each other. You know, what is what are we committed to as a partner and what is our partnership and distinguishing what that is before even going into the marriage conversation, mm-hmm. right? The marriage conversation I f- is just, I, for me, is an expression of our partnership because when it comes down to it, it's like, what are we committed to at the end of the day? Like when we're like, even if we're not together, like what are we committed to for each other and with each other? Yeah, like I've committed. Yeah. It's about laying that foundation and, and understanding where we come from right off the bat, as opposed to trying to figure things out on the fly, I guess. Or just taking, or just taking it on because we think that that's this is what it is. Like questioning our assumptions about marriage, questioning our assumptions about relationships, like asking or discovering it newly with each other, and not because of a past-based relationship that we have. Right? I can say that I could go into this relationship and having these ex. Oh my god! Like I've had expectations. This relationship for me is what really truly created. It's a truly creative relationship because we really questioned, okay, what are these idea, these roles that we think that a girlfriend is supposed to have? And we question like, I'm trying to think back of, of an example of, you know, just the other day we, we talked about being jealous and why I don't communicate some things and why I do like, why am I, um, 
So the other day we were driving, we were in LA for our leadership program and we were in LA just driving. And I happened to be um, the program early than Brian, my partner, Brian. And so I was given an opportunity to be accountable for 900 people in our program, which is a big deal, which also means like in some ways I am more trained and developed than my partner, Brian is. And so I have people who will come up to me for coaching because I am accountable for them and I'm accountable for the program. And so people come up to me and these are guys and these are men and they'll come up to me and they'll talk to me and they'll ask me questions and they'll want coaching. And I can see, and Brian said something to me while I was coaching somebody and he was saying, he was acknowledging me. He was like saying, Oh, isn't she, she's great. She's like, got, he, she's got it. And then Brian says something snarky. And I was just like, and at that moment, I didn't wait. I didn't wait till like later on to talk to him about it. I was just like, what was that about? I was like, what, like, what's that about? And he, and he said something. I was like, it's time for us to go. Like, it was just like, I got triggered in that moment. And I communicated in that moment. And then it also opened up a conversation now. Like, Hey, like, what was that about? Like you were putting me down to make yourself feel better that doesn't work. And I straight up told him like my insecurity is that being with a man that is insecure, which we all are, is just being aware of your insecurities and being triggered. And like you putting you having a, cause you did it before, like a couple of days before um, making me feel bad so that he can make himself feel better. Like I kept bringing this up, right? We do this, we do this, but we don't say anything about it. We all do this as humans. We do this. I do this with my friends. I do this with my family. I do it with him. It's just noticing. And now you have a partner to actually call you out on it. That's what we're here for. And so I'll call him out. I said, my fear is that the moment somebody comes along to make you feel better about yourself, because apparently I can't, then you're going to end up doing something that you're going to cheat on me. You know, you're going to do something that goes against that's going to like, you're going to mess up. Right. And I'm just like, you've got to work on like, this doesn't work, right? Like this doesn't work for you. Like we got to talk about this. Like it doesn't work that you are going to make me put me down to make yourself feel better. And we talked through it and we talked through, through everything, everything. And a few days later, I hear him on a call and he's the leader of his, he's a team leader in, in his group. And he's sharing with them about how he discovered for himself that he tends to put people down to make himself feel bigger. And he's noticed that he did that with me and he shared that, you know, and this is something that he wouldn't have been able to discover if there wasn't a space for him to discover that stuff. Mm -hmm. And now he can notice that when he's doing it with other people, right? Like our relationship is all about that. Like we're here to help each other grow. Yeah, I love it. You touched on so many things there. You know, the, one of the things that screams out to me is accountability, is having that accountability, that pattern interruption where, you know, we're so addicted to the way that we are naturally. We're, 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 we're just creatures of habit. And so we're designed to act in, in a pattern, in a way of patterns. And so when you have a partner who interrupts those patterns and says, hey, what's going on there? you are now able to tune into your pattern and say, look, I can now control this habit or this, this reaction or whatever and, totally. and rewind, the thing is, rewind it and rewire it. Totally. And I can't necessarily say those things if a foundation wasn't built already of trust, mm-hmm. right? Like our relationship, he knows not just by me saying, but by being and being a space for him to be safe 
to say whatever there is to say. And it's from the beginning. Like he's, we've had our, you know, in the beginning he was, is he's always felt safe. Like in the beginning of a relationship, he had the nerve to tell me that he was attracted to another woman because he thought that he was safe saying anything. And I'm like, like, I really appreciate that you feel like you can say anything with me. And there are definitely like consequences. Like there's an mm-hmm. impact over here. Like it's irresponsible. There's boundaries, yes. Yeah. There's boundaries. You got to be careful of what other people are feeling. Yeah. Yeah. We've learned those things. Like we mm-hmm. learn, like, it's not that you can't say anything with me. It's being responsible to, to, to know that what you're putting into my space. And we just created like this really big open space of communication. Like he mm-hmm. really can tell me anything and I can tell him anything. We've shared everything with each other and we've worked through things that we weren't able to work through in our um, past lives. Right. Like, I think it's so important. That's what we're all here for is to, to grow and to heal. And our partners are there to do that. Like I, that's what I'm here for. And until we're both unwilling to to do the work, then our relationship isn't going to work, right? Absolutely, yeah, I love it. I love everything that you're saying here. And, you know, I kind of just want to ask you a little bit about, and dive a little bit deeper because we were talking a little bit off air, but I want to dive deeper into that relationship. Partner now is divorced, not well, not divorced, but sort of divorced, but has a child Yes. Um, in the picture. So what's that journey, how has that journey been like to you? Um, and what kind of things are people to look out for in this type of relationship yeah. from your perspective, from your perspective? Yes. It's always from my perspective and it's always. So, yeah. So sing, you're dating a single, you, you're dating a uh, well, you're engaged now to a single dad. So. Yes. I'm engaged to a single dad who was with, who was with his um, baby mama. <laughs> uh, they broke up about, I think three, four years ago, they were like broken up like a year or two before we got together and he moved to Seattle. I'm in Seattle, so he can be closer to his daughter. So when they broke up, she was like, I'm not staying here in Colorado. She, so she moves over to um, like nowhere in Washington state. I won't say where, but pretty much three hours away from where Brian and I are. And Brian moved as close as he could be to a place where he wants to be, which is Seattle. So he's still like three hours away from his daughter. Um, but he moved all the way over here to be with her. And um, I, you know, people tell me, including a lot, a lot of people say to me, like, Randy, you're single. You have a lot going for you. You don't have any kids. You know, why are you with somebody who has baggage, right? Because technically, like what people would say is a guy with kids is baggage. That's He has baggage and he has a baby mama that you got to deal with. And, you know, people will say what they want to say, right? Because that's just like human, being human. And for me, when it comes down to it, it's like Brian wouldn't have been here if it weren't for his daughter. So we met in a way in which I knew, like he, we met, you know, like it was very um, movie-like-ish, right? And at the same time, I'm not saying that like that's how every relationship should start. But for me, I always knew that I was going to meet my partner in my happiest place, right? I was just saying like it was like 10 years. I was like, really got to a point in my life where it was like I'm very content being single. I was so happy. Like I just loved my life. I created my life. And I wasn't ready to be in a relationship yet. I was like, I'm going to wait for that because right now when that happens, 
right? When that happens, it's going to shift my life. My life is going to be completely different and I'm okay with that. But right now I want to enjoy this moment as much as I can. And I met him when I was like dancing with my girlfriends at a bachelorette party with a tutu one that said hashtag love wins. Cause that was the day that was that the laws were passed for same sex marriages. I was just so happy dancing with my girlfriends. And then this guy comes up and he just starts dancing with me. And I'm like, who is this guy? And he's just starts dancing with my girlfriend. He's fully self-expressed. And I'm like, okay, I can dig this. But I'm like, and then he starts dancing with my girlfriends. I was like, all right, I'm over it. And then I, I go to the bar and I look over and like, he's looking right back at me. And like this light is shining above his head. And I was like, that is so weird. And then I turn around and he's right in my face. Like, Hey, hi. <laughs> and I was like, Oh my gosh, this is so weird. <laughs> Cause I, it was just like one of those movie moments. And, and he was just like, who are you? Like, what are you about? And we exchanged numbers and went on a coffee, we went on a coffee date. We met halfway, went on a coffee date. And I sat with this man and we were sharing about our lives. And I was just thinking to myself, one, we're either super compatible, like we're so compatible or two, he's stalking me like on Google, right? On social media. And so I was just like, this is so weird. And then we like went our separate ways. We would run into each other and it was just, he would message me, but it was just like, things weren't very, um, things were kind of like too casual. I mean, a lot of guys were messaging me and right. I was dating. It was just like, you weren't any different than any other guy. And then it wasn't until a moment we ran into each other and he was like, Hey, I have this startup and I want you to check it out. But really he invited me to share about what he was doing and what he was up to. And he was, there to invite me to do, to do this personal growth and self-development or uh, seminar. And so I, um, I was like, he was sharing with me and I said, Hey, did you just do, it's called the landmark form. I was like, just do the landmark form. And I was like, he was like, yeah. And I was like, Oh yeah, I did that like nine years ago. And then after that, we just had like conversations that were very deep. And I knew right then and there, I was like, shit, like this this is scary. Like I told my mom, I was like, Ma, it's coming, but I'm not ready for a relationship yet. She's like, I know it's coming. And I was just like, I'm not ready yet. I was, this is how much I did not want to be in a relationship. I started dating another guy. Also took a trip to Ghana. I also started a podcast called 30 something and single because I really was not wanting to be in a relationship, but I knew it was coming. I was like, I'm, I like, I want to stay single for as long as I can, because I know this is like only going to last for so much longer. And then when I came back a few months later from Ghana and he would message me here and there, and he would really like want to hang out with me. And I was just like, man, like I kept telling, like avoiding him. And then there was a moment when you're, you know, when, when you're really like at peace and content with where you are in life, things are quiet. Like it's just, things are just so quiet where you can really just hear and listen, listen to your intuition. And there's something that said to me, I don't know what it was. It was like, you're going to regret it if you don't look, see what this is about. And so I went for it and I was just like, Hey, let's hang out. And we ended up hanging out and he ended up just meeting me at, he was never late. He always showed up. He didn't cancel every single time he started hang every single time he hung out, his integrity was at a level in which you don't really see in a lot of people 
nowadays. Mm-hmm. And so you, saw, you saw in him a lot of, I guess, marriage material type of things where you were just like, man, what is it about this guy that is making me feel this way, right? It was, yeah. It was like, I knew that I could have conversations with him and I knew that his integrity was there. He showed up when he said he would and he was always on time. And I was just like, kept courting that idea. And it was like, and, and then eventually it was just like, all right, let's just go all in. You know, and then I went all in and, and I forgot what was the question that you had about my relationship. Oh, and then it was like, okay, he has a dog. He has a, and, and the first thing that he said to me in our, on our date, this is where I was going with the first thing he said to me on our coffee date before a year and a half, this is like a year. Our second date was a year and a half after our first date, our first date. The first thing he said to me when I asked him, why are you here? Is I have a daughter. I came here because I have a daughter. She's four years old. And um, her mom brought her here and I, Seattle's the closest place for me to be, to be close to my daughter. And the guy that I was dating to at that time, the first time I figured out that he had a kid was when I went over to his house and he had a picture with this boy. And I was like, Oh, who's that? And he was like, Oh, I thought I told you that I had a, had a kid. And I was like, no, you told me that you had a, you had a roommate. <laughs> and so I was just like, no, that was like, that lacks, that lacks integrity. But this guy who was just like straight up about his daughter. Right. And, um, and I knew about her and eventually I was just like, you know, am, am I going to do this? Like he has a kid. And I always said to myself, I could, be, I could be with a guy who has kids. Like I knew that about myself. I knew mm-hmm. that it was a, a non-negotiable for me. I was like, I could always be with a guy with kids. Cause I, know that I could, I would be a great, I wouldn't say stepmom necessarily, but I would be a great person to raise any, anybody's kids. Right. So I can trust myself in that. And, and then I got to know him and his daughter and it was just like, Oh my God, what the hell did I get myself into? It wasn't, (laughs) it wasn't easy. You know, like you can't, I can't go in and say, Oh, it was just so easy. She just came in and I just became this brilliant stepmom and no, <laughs> it was a process. But what it was too was a process in learning myself. It was an opportunity for me to really expand myself and to see what I was capable of beyond what I knew myself as. You know, like I got to learn about myself being with this four year old when we met. Now she's six years old. And, you know, like we had this amazing relationship, you know, and she taught me and she was a mirror to myself. Like she showed me, like when I wasn't being a certain way or when I was being a total B, like she was a mirror to me. Like she wasn't going to have it either. Right. And I got to really see like how I was being with this human being who was, didn't have filters, who was just going to show me everything. And at the same time, like she goes back to her mom every, like she goes back to her mom, which is right now for me works really well. And I see from my partner, like he wants to have her full time. And I love that, that he wants to have her full time. And I love that he like loves her so much. And I love who he's become in the process, even with me in it, you know, even before me in it, like I can see his commitment to his daughter. He drives six hours, like every other week, plus like nine hours total, just to see his daughter for two days, maybe one day even, you know, and he doesn't have anything about it. And for me, that shows his commitment, his level of commitment to something, right? And that something can also translate to everything because how you do one thing is how you do everything, mm-hmm, right? Even though right now that's, that's the only thing, but I can see that it's possible for him and how he is with me, with her and 
the dynamics of our relationship and how he's trusts me enough to like really be her like second mom, her bonus mom. Right. And her, his relationship with his baby mama isn't the happiest. It's not even, there's no communication really. Right. There's a lot of bitterness. I know because I, I came in and, and the moment I came in, she got married. Right. It was like, she was still had this idea of being with him. And I came in at a time when, when it wasn't like, I was that person that was kind of like that cut off that possibility for her. So she, in some ways, I know she, she doesn't like me, right? She doesn't like the idea of me, but she doesn't know me, right? That's the thing. She hasn't gone to know me. She hasn't had the chance to get to know me. And it doesn't do, it doesn't change who I get to be about it at all. Right. Yeah. I'm not... it, all, it all has to do with her, you know, being the mama and, you know, her protecting her cubs. Right. I think it's just a yeah. carnal instinct that they have. I don't think it has anything to do with you per se. Yeah. She just happens to be the person in the situation that she has to protect or whatever she feels like she needs to innately protect her cubs. Yeah. And I could, see, I could totally see that. Uh, but you mentioned that they don't get along, but are they, how are they managing the co-parenting then if, if, uh, do they have set schedules like and and i'm just curious as to why yeah. he wants all of the custody don't you feel like the, the, she deserves both the mom and her dad in her life oh well he would like of course he wants mm-hmm. he wants it shared but if it were up to him he'd want her to live here full-time right live with us full-time mm-hmm. and be with That's us full-time yeah. for us to raise, and then have her the mom do the back and forth thing and he would share custody if it's up to him right he he wants to be able to provide his child with the, a, a space where she can be fully self-expressed and really like be herself and not be constrained by ideals. Ideals. He has his idea about his baby mama, right? And at the same time, he has me who has to, who's able to have him see both sides of things. And, and I get to also say, you know, like, let's, we want to be able to work this out where it works for both. It's like all workability for me. Mm-hmm. And so what do you think the key is to all of that, trying to keep keep that dynamic functioning properly and like a business relationship even? I, that's how I, I tell most of the guys to keep it with their baby mamas. I mean, like it, you don't have yeah. to like each other. You have a, a, a common interest and you have to protect that common interest. You have to invest in that common interest and as, as business partners, right? Um, and you have to communicate. Oh. Yeah. So, I mean, what do you think the key is to, you know, keeping all that together as, as you, as it's happening? Cause you're kind of in the thick of it all. Right. Mm-hmm. I think you're, I you're a really good person to ask. Well, he can get really emotional about it. Like he can totally speak from his ego versus like really what really works. Right. So when it comes down to it, it's workability. It's all about like whether it works or not. And workability is integrity. And so if he's trying to fight her for something, it doesn't work because when she, we, t- if he does that, then she's just going to come back and fight the way that she fights too. Plus what she does is she doesn't communicate. Like she just cuts off all communication. She knows she has all the power because she has her, has her daughter, which that's in her world. And I don't know her world and what she's up to, what she's doing, but that's how it occurs over here. It's all how it occurs. And so for me, like when it comes down to it, they only, they had an agreement verbally and they didn't bring it to the court. She can really do whatever she wants. And so it was like, now it was like, okay, babe, like, is this, I think this may be the time. He's like, I, I, I know it's the time is going to come where we do have to take it to the courts. 
right? Just keep it totally strictly in the courts where it's black and white and it's written on paper and there are consequences when one party doesn't follow through. Because right now you really have nothing to lose because she really is doing what she wants to do. And so we decided that we were going to, you know, just file for, not a custody, for a parenting plan. It's just a parenting plan that's written down black and white. Keep it the way it is. You don't have to interact with her, right? It's just like, she just has to meet you halfway or to the way where the courts say. So then that's all we have control over, right? Mm -hmm. Or that we can do when it comes down to it. And when it comes down to it, what we have though is when we do have time with her, with his daughter, when we have time with his daughter and that's the time that matters most. And the time that matters most is like, we are a hundred percent present when we're with her because we don't have her for a long periods of time. We have her for really short periods of time. And that's the time when we can really take advantage of the time that we have with her mm, because eventually she will grow up to be a human being who has her own opinions and a human being who has, who can make her own choices and she can choose at some point when it doesn't work for her, that she can always come and stay with dad and Ranny. Mm-hmm. Like she can always come here. She knows that she has a, a space and a place where she can really be what she, who she wants to be. And she can always come here when it doesn't work for her. So we teach her, you know, we get to really like, I, I honestly see for myself, I have an opportunity to teach her things that she might not have in a different household, right? I get to teach her things that her, that she won't hear from her mom or her dad even, right? She'll hear it from Ranny though, because Ranny gets, I don't have to love her, right? Yeah, absolutely. Like, you're going to be an integral part of her life regardless. She's, if you're, if you're choosing to marry her dad, obviously you're going to be there. You're going to, you're stick, you're going to stick around for a very long time. So fostering and harboring that relationship is obviously of paramount importance because of course she's a little kid, but I love how you mentioned the fact that it's keeping the kids first. It's keeping her needs in, in line with, yeah. you know, what, what, it, what, it, what it is. And, and I love how you tuned into that. So that's all great, great advice. I just want to be mindful of the time here. So I want to take you to a part of the show where we're just going to lighten up the mood. We're going to talk a little bit about Rani here. We're just going to ask her uh, a couple of random questions. So are you ready for that? Oh yeah, I guess so. Okay. All right. so <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Me, let's do it. So if you could domesticate any animal in the world right now, you can have it as a pet. What animal would it be? And why? I know this is like, I guess I got to put in my vegan. <laughs> if, 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 if everything we were just all bets were off, no animal cruelty was, you know, this is actually better for them. Right. Let's just, let's just pretend. <laughs> um, what animal would it be and why? Oh man. To be honest with you, I wouldn't at all. Any animals. I think they should just be out in the wild. Oh, what is your spirit animal then? We'll, we'll switch this one up. What is your spirit animal? Oh, my spirit animal. I'm a unicorn. I'm just joking. Mm. Um, <laughs> that, that, that doesn't really exist. Um, I would say that I am, shoot, I, I want so badly to say honey badger because honey badger <laughs> don't give a shit. But um, I, I don't know. I would say a horse. That's what I've gotten from like yeah. my ex-boyfriend's and people is that like, mm. I think if I were to ask somebody who knows how about spirit animals, they would probably say that I'm a horse because very I think, smart. I'm intuitive. Yeah. And very intelligent and, uh, and empathetic, empathetic. Mm. They, um, they can sense people's feelings. Nice. They know like they're, and they are meant to be running free and wild. 
Nice. Yeah, nice. I would say um, a horse. Okay, sweet, a horse. Um, if you had a favorite, do you have a favorite book right now, or is there something that you're reading that you'd like to share with us? Um, Spiritual Partnerships by Gary Zukoff is a really good one. That's the one that I'm reading right now um, with my partner too. We read it before we go to bed together sometimes. Spiritual Partnerships is a really good one. Um, mm. And also Seed of the Soul by Gary Zukoff as well. I really love his work with his wife. I think it's a great one for this podcast and podcast listeners is I really think that we should move towards um, spiritual partnerships mm, um, first before anything. Love it. Love yeah. it. Yeah. Um, if you could hop on a plane anywhere in the world right now, money ain't a thing, time isn't a thing, you can go anywhere in the world, where would it be and why? Right now, just because I deal with what's right now for me is uh, Nepal has been on my mind for a long time. I, I plan on hosting a spiritual retreat, an adventure retreat in Nepal, doing a trek in Nepal in 2020. So if you're interested, you know, look out and watch oh, out for yeah. that. Because yeah, I plan on doing that. Yeah, send, send some information. 2020, that'd be cool. Yeah, I want to bring a group of people to do a trek and a yoga retreat. I'm also a yoga teacher too. A mm. yoga retreat and a trek, um, an adventure retreat in Nepal. That is where I want to be. And nice. don't ask me really where and why that comes from. It's really when I say I want to go somewhere, I end up it's, going there. Yeah. So. Oh, nice. Okay, awesome. You're manifesting already, so perfect. Um, if you could meet anyone who's passed away right now and doesn't have to be a dead celebrity or anything, it could be though, um, who would it be and why? I would want to have a conversation with Maya Angelou. Like that's the person that if I were to be able to have a conversation and sit down, have some coffee or tea with somebody and talk deeply and intimately with, it would be Maya Angelou. Nice, she's nice. super wise. I know she's passed yeah. away very, very recently, but I feel like I still talk to her just by listening to her stuff and reading her stuff so well her quotes are virtually everywhere so i mean it's almost impossible to escape her spirit now so she's left a huge imprint on on everyone's lives and she's the famous answer that's a famous answer so cool um yeah. do you ever get called out for anything at the dinner table do you have any weird eating habits um <laughs> no i don't think so i wish i were that interesting to have okay. a weird i am a very I would, I guess you'd say, I, I consider myself normal. Like I'm a very normal person, I think. And um, yeah, and I'm, 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 I'm actually okay with that. Okay, let's switch this up then. If you were on death row and it's your last meal, what meal would it be? Okay, okay. It would be, thought about this before, um, a Vietnamese food. I, w I would love, I love Vietnamese food. I don't know what it is. I think it's a vermicelli bowl that I would have with some mm. um, lemongrass, tofu, and some nice. nook mam, which is your fish sauce. Fish sauce. It's like my favorite thing. Yep. Yeah. And so a couple of egg rolls. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Great choice. Okay, perfect. That's the end of the random five. I just want to take a moment again and thank you for coming on the show. I feel like we could pull back the curtains a little bit longer with you, but we'll probably have you on again if you want. If you want, you can come on the show again. Yeah. Um, but you know, like I said, I want to take a moment and just thank you again for coming on the show. You've just been an awesome, awesome guest. You've been dropping some really, really good good tidbits for all of us to kind of take home into our lives and our relationships and anybody else listening and giving and getting that gaining that perspective from you was actually really great so thank you for coming on the show how can people support you how can people get a hold of you where are you hanging out what are you up to yogi smoke breaks i've seen you there you said you have an undercover hippie tribe as a facebook group what else are you doing 
So right now I'm also doing a pilot program called the and life. It's all about having your cake and eating it too. Um, it's, we're working on that. We're seeing what works and what doesn't work. So we'll be launching that again, um, probably in the summer. So look out for that. And to keep, stay connected with me, the best way will be through Facebook. It's at heart driven head guided, which is how I live my life. Um, and if you want any coaching, um, contact me through Facebook as well. That's the best way to connect with me. Um, the Instagram, I'm in the process of rebranding and working that out. So I'm, I don't know if it's going to stay the same. So that's not reliable. But Facebook is. So just connect with me on Facebook. Uh, you guys heard her. Facebook is where uh, she's mostly hanging out. So we'll put the links up in the show notes so that you guys can get to Rani and you guys can connect with her on social media as well and follow her journey because she's up to really amazing and awesome things. I think she's going to put, be putting out a lot of amazing, amazing spiritual content in the future. I see, I foresee that. And then, uh, and so anybody interested in that wavelength, I definitely get onto her radar and, you know, kind of bother her, fester her, bother her up or whatever, do what you got to do. Um, the the last question here, uh, we have about a minute. Hopefully we can get this in. But our last question here is centered around heartbreak. And if anybody is going through a heartbreak right now, and it comes in all shapes and sizes, all, all types of forms. Most people come to me after a heartbreak and a divorce in an in a intimate relationship. But it can be a death in the family. It could be, you know, bankruptcy, job loss, whatever. I mean, heartbreak shows up in our life pretty frequently. So if there's somebody going through that right now, what would you say to that person? I would say this too shall pass. It always does. There's always light on the other side. Just have to push through it. There's always a reason for all of it. And trust. That's what I would say. Mm, Short and sweet. Love it. Randy Kang, thank you so much for coming on the show. Boom. And sometimes I wish I had more time because we could have definitely went longer on this episode and I could have asked her so many other things, but I did want to be mindful of the time and we can still continue the conversation on social media. I put all of Rani's links in the show notes so you can follow her daily musings. You can follow what she's up to on a daily basis and let her know what you thought of today's episode. And I'm hanging out over on Instagram. That's my jam right now. If you want to see future guests come on the show, maybe you want to hear certain topics get covered, let me know. I want to know. And remember to lead with your best foot forward. Never give up hope. Rob, your host, signing off. Peace out.